Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. We're so glad that you have joined us today right here on our website for Sunday Morning Alive. And I want to thank those of you who have communicated with us that you listen to our Bible study midweek and our Sunday morning uh, uh, preaching and teaching service right here on our website. Thank you so much. What an encouragement it is when we hear from people. But we realize that we may never hear this side of heaven from many that are blessed by this broadcast. But if you could and if you would, amen, communicate with us through our website. There's a, uh, there is a, an email address that you can access and leave us a message. It would encourage us so much. Now we're encouraged by the Lord. We're encouraged by those we have heard from. But if we could hear from more, we, we could we could probably get more people investing in this ministry to help us reach even more people so i just ask you to communicate with us we you won't you won't you won't get any solicitation for doing that unless you choose to communicate further we thank you for being here today Now, I just want to title this message. I'm really going back to something that I feel led by the Spirit of God to reiterate here today. And I'm going to be talking to you about the blessing no one wants. I hope you're intrigued by the title, (laughs) because if you don't, if you don't want it, you might not want to hear what it is. But it is qualified in Scripture as a blessing. And mature Christians will see it as a blessing from the Lord and a blessing as part of our belonging to the Lord instead of what the world wants us to glean from it and and interpret it as. The devil wants you discouraged today. The devil wants me discouraged today. His system The world, the fallen world, wants us discouraged today. God wants to encourage us, amen, even when the pressure is on. Jesus promised that we're going to experience the pressures of living in a faulty body in a fallen world. In Scripture, he said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. In this world, you shall have tribulation, anguish, and trouble, pressure. Listen, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God. He is leading us through these pressures, these problems, and these persecutions. That is the blessing. I believe you knew it before I said it. That's the blessing that no one wants, but everyone that is a true follower of Jesus will receive. You're going to be, you're going to, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know it sounds like a contradiction. It really isn't. If you want to read with me, let's read the words of Jesus because you can't escape this persecution, and it is particularly intensifying as we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, 10 through 12. It says, Blessed are they, part of the Beatitudes, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall lay all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, ye be of good cheer, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Amen. Blessed are you when all men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be <laughs> how glad. Just how glad are we supposed to be because we are so identified with Jesus. Amen. That we are persecuted for his sake. It changes the way we look at persecution. When Jesus preached this message on the mountainside at the beginning of his ministry, he knew exactly what awaited him. And he knew what was in store for his faithful followers. And as we come to the eighth and final beatitude, many of us would like to take a pass on persecution and suffering, me included. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm so spiritual that I, well, if it's, if it's something that's going to bring more honor to God, then bring it on. I, I want to, I want to experience more pressure, anguish, more persecution, more people lying on me. Has anybody ever lied on you? <laughs> told, told things that were, I don't mean just misspoke. I mean just out and out lied to harm you, to hurt your reputation, to take away, attack your character and your credibility. Listen, if you've been born again, you've got a past before you were born again. I call that BC, before Christ. Before Christ, there was a lot of things in my life that <laughs> that could be uncovered and brought forward. And I'm not proud of them, but I was a sinner before I got saved. But when I got saved, amen, all of those sins were forgiven. They were not just forgiven, they were forgotten. They were not just forgotten, they were remitted as if they had never occurred. That is the power of the blood of Jesus applied in a life who has repented of sin and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Praise God. Listen, blessed are they, he says, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One translation says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all manner of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Someone suggests that there are at least six reasons why we need to get, pay a particular heed to these instructions. Number one, this is the last beatitude and serves as a test for all the others. Persecution is as much a normal mark of discipleship as being merciful or giving is. It's the longest one, number two, because it's the hardest to embrace. It's the only beatitude, number three, with a command to rejoice 
and be not just glad, dear friend, dear friend, dear one, no, but exceedingly glad. I'll tell you, if we get a hold of this and we start rejoicing instead of retreating when we're persecuted, Satan's grand plan to get us to sit down and shut up and not not live out our faith and not show the world the peace and the joy of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what he would like to accomplish. What's going to happen if we rejoice instead of retreat today? What's going to happen if we holler hallelujah instead of help me Jesus? Amen. And it's okay to ask for his help, but when he helps you, give a shout a hallelujah in the face of the pressure and the persecution. Listen, this is also the only one with an explanation, number four. It's the only one, number five, repeated twice. And that's why I am revisiting the blessing of persecution here today. Because Jesus repeated it twice. Amen. It's as though he's saying you're doubly blessed when you're persecuted. Also, he wants to reiterate it because he know he knew what was coming for himself and he knew what would be coming for those who followed him faithfully. And because of that, he reiterated this. He wanted us to get it. Now, I'm telling you, the pressure's on. If you're not feeling it, I would question whether you're living for God today. But if you are living for God, The scripture, as we see further on here, it says that all those that would live godly shall suffer persecution. But it's the way we interpret it, the way we see it through a different lens than the world wants us to see it. And in particular, your adversary and mine, the devil wants us to see it. Actually, It's the only beatitude address, number six, directly to us. The tense changes from blessed are those in verse 10 to blessed are you in verse 11. It gets very personal. Actually, if we live according to the first seven beatitudes, we'll automatically experience the eighth. It's it's like an equation, isn't it? If you're the person of verses 3 through 9, you'll get the persecution of verse 10 and 12. If you're poor in, poor in spirit, some will think you're self-righteous. You're just, you're just, you know, you, you're proud of your humility. <laughs> when you mourn over sin, others will feel convicted. <laughs> they won't, they won't want you around. The meek person might be taken advantage of and run over. When you break out of the spiritual status quo and hunger and thirst as some of you are for God, they'll label you a religious fanatic. Be merciful and people will call you gullible. Strive to be pure in heart and feel the tension of a world that just lives on lust. And strive to be a peacemaker. <laughs> you might have wish to get ready for war. I'll never forget a counseling session where uh, actually two people who came for counseling that are about to divorce. And and I, I knew I could feel the tension when they walked in my office. And and, and I, I, I wanted to, to be an arbitrator. I wanted to be a 
peacemaker and receive the blessing of that beatitude. Amen. Hallelujah. And I prayed for God's wisdom and I prayed for God's love and I prayed for the Holy Spirit to be present with us. And, and as, as I asked them what their problem was and they begin to accuse each other, it was like an explosion took place. <laughs> Here you are trying to be a peacemaker and, and, and if, if you, I, I'm not even going to go into all of that. I'm just telling you that that being a peacemaker don't mean everyone's ready to make peace with God or with each other. But I'm going to continue to try to see people reconciled to God and with each other. Amen. Listen, friend, our faith begins, develops, and matures as we live out the first seven Beatitudes. Our faith is then tested when we come to the last one. Let me quote Dietrich Barnhofer, who was killed for his faith uh, during the German movement, the Nazi movement. And he wrote the book called The Cost of Discipleship. You don't hear much about that today, do you? It's, it's, it's all the stuff that you can get if you follow Jesus. All of the material thing. Listen, God blesses material. Don't get me wrong. Amen. Given it shall be given unto you. That's a legitimate promise and scripture to claim. But we're not in it to just get rich. We're in it to follow Jesus. And to show our love for him and appreciation for what he's done for us by being a disciple of his. And in that book, The Cost of Discipleship, it referred, he referred to the extraordinariness of the Christian life. With every beatitude, the gulf, this is what he said about what we're reading right now. With every beatitude, the gulf is widened between the disciples and the people. And their call to come forth from the people becomes increasingly manifest. You see, that's the great call today to the true believer. Come out from among them and be ye separate, not self-righteous, self-exalting, but separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. For what fellowship? Be not unequally yoked together the believer and the unbeliever. For what fellowship hath light with darkness and Christ with the devil or Belial? Amen. Friend of mine, this is the great call today. It's going to bring persecution. But persecution is to be seen by a true believer in a different light than the enemy of your soul and mine wants us to see it. Persecution, therefore, is a paradox, isn't it? What's hard about this beatitude is that we all like to be liked. Once again, we see the, that, that following Jesus is a paradox. He applauds us <laughs> when, when we are being persecuted, when we're going through these trials and tests. <laughs> he sees great purpose in the persecutions themselves. And as an interesting side note, those who were listening to Jesus probably had a real difficult time with this one. It's a common idea back then, and it's, it's, it's actually come through to this very day, that all suffering, all, all kinds of problems that befall people, including persecution, 
was an indication that God was not pleased, and the one who was suffering through anything was somehow to blame for what was happening. This was particularly evident in the book of Job. In the book of Job. Job's so-called friends, they, they, they said, what did you do? What have you done? You must have done something for all of these things to fall upon you. And, and it wasn't his unrighteousness, his imperfections. Of course, he wasn't sinlessly perfect. But as far as his righteousness could take him, God spoke of Job when the devil accused him of, of uh, actually said, if you, if you let anything take any of these blessings from him, he'll turn on you. He will question you. He will turn on you. He'll be angry at you, uh, literally hoping Job would curse God. <laughs> Amen. Like his, and he spoke through his wife finally without his wife realizing it. Why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> and, and Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, he's going to stand on the earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. He saw down through. He had a revelation. Uh, amen. When he began to, to humble himself before the Lord and determine that, that what he didn't understand, he would trust God with. Amen. And one day, one day, he, he said, if the skin worms eat all the flesh from my bones, I know something. My Redeemer lives. And one day he's going to stand upon the earth. And when he does, I'm going to stand up with him and in my flesh. <laughs> what a revelation of the resurrection. <laughs> Hallelujah. In my flesh that the skin worms ate up and ex excreted into the soil <laughs> in my flesh I'm going to see the Lord glory be to God hallelujah he prayed for his friends that had persecuted him when God's what he was going through was something between God and the devil God proving there are people who would serve God out of devotion not just out of mere emotion. And they would keep the faith when push come to shove. Actually, the devil pushed him too hard. <laughs> he pushed him all the way into a deep, dedicated faith that said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. <laughs> Glory be to God. Is the devil pushing you? Is the devil pushing you to compromise, make concessions, question God? Uh, oh, friend, that, that we can, we can see the tables turned on him. I believe we're being pushed into a deeper faith and a better commitment to Jesus than we had before the pressure is put on us today. Praise God. Listen, friend of mine, the book of Job, Jesus in this beatitude reverses this view they had. As we take a look at the blessing, no one wants. Number one, persecution is part of the authentic Christian life. Some of us have bought into the belief that once we have Jesus, everything is just perfect. We'll live in a, some kind of bubble while everyone else experiences setbacks and problems and pressures. The Christian will just sail through this life with riches and wealth and every door will open and everyone will embrace us because we are to be envied. No, that's not how this works. 
Maybe we've even thought we'd be so successful and financially well off that we would become like the Hollywood and the sports stars. Actually, the Bible says that the the opposite of this will happen for those who honor and obey Christ. Jesus never taught, listen to me, the prosperity gospel as as it has been as it has been presented today to accommodate the the world view and to accommodate the values of this fallen world let's look at matthew 5:10 again it says blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Righteousness refers to living the the straight way, (laughs) living a life that is right-wise with God. It's talking about following Jesus. I like what John Stott says. He suggests we should not be surprised if anti-Christian hostility increases, but rather be surprised if it does not. Amen. In John fifteen twenty, Jesus said, If they persecuted me, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. In John sixteen thirty three he adds, In this world you will have tribulation. And the Ox Osberg confession defines the church community of those who are persecuted and martyred for the gospel's sake. Speaking of their futures in Matthew 24, 9, Jesus told the disciples that they would face incredible struggles. Listen, he said, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Friend, I don't know how to verify or not verify all of these statements, but but. Maybe not fully confirmed, but Fox's Book of Martyrs is generally accepted as a record book of persecuted saints. James was beheaded. It is said he was on his way to be martyred. His accuser was so impressed by his courage and conviction that he repented of his sin, committed himself to Christ, and was beheaded along with James. Philip was scourged, thrown into prison, then crucified. Matthew was slain with a sword. James the less was stoned to death. Matthew was stoned and then beheaded. Andrew was crucified and then left hanging on the cross for three days. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he did not feel worthy enough to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord. Jude, Thaddeus, was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten with clubs and then crucified. Thomas was speared to death. Simon the Zealot was crucified on and on. John was exiled to an island called Patmos where he died a prisoner. But you know what he said? (laughs) While he was suffering persecution, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Friend of mine, today we need this new lens to look through, to see persecution as a badge of authenticity, and not that something is wrong because we're not, we're not showing enough love to the world that they would embrace us. 
Jesus showed all the love there could possibly be demonstrated on the cross, and yet they still hated him, and they hate him to this very day. And and he said, marvel not if the world hate you. If it hated me, it's going to hate you. You have no reason to rejoice. Amen. If the world loves you, because if the world loves you and embraces you, Jesus said, it always does that to its own, but you are not of the world. (laughs) Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I don't know if you're living close enough to God to experience persecution. But if you live at all, if you name the name of Christ today, amen, you're you're going to be categorized and you're going to be castigated and ostracized and, and people are not going to want to fellowship with you and that's okay. Someone said to me one time, preacher, if I come to Christ, will I have to give up all my flaky friends? And I said, no. If you come to Jesus Christ and you truly live for him, they'll give you up. And that's okay. Because you've got brothers and sisters in the Christian community that you need to hang with. You need a new group of people to fellowship with. How many times have you heard of a young man or a young woman who who got into all kinds of trouble, legal and morally and otherwise, spiritually, and and people would say of them they were just fine they were they were doing so well they were this is a good kid this is a good person but they fell in with the wrong crowd they fell in with the wrong crowd there's an old adage that said birds of a feather flock together praise god friend of mine today The great call of God is to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Will it bring persecution? Yes. Jesus said that's a blessing. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's a blessing in disguise? Yeah. Because it don't really look like it initially. But the Apostle Paul saw the blessing of it. Amen. Because he was going through it. And he, 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 there was a special agent put upon him by the devil to persecute him, to buffet him. Everywhere he went, there was trouble. And he sought the Lord thrice, and no answer came, and no change came. And while he pondered why God didn't get this thing out of the way, so he could just run with the gospel and not have to endure persecution in the process and setbacks and hindrances and attacks, of the enemy. <laughs> God spoke to him and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is perfected in weakness. You see, whatever called, he, and, and Paul said this, he talked about the fact that all of these spiritual blessings that he had from God and revelations he had had a tendency for anyone to be lifted up in pride. And he said, lest, lest I be lifted up above measure, there was given to me, <laughs> amen, this thorn in the flesh, if you please, this problem, this pressure, these problems. Listen. He said, now that he saw it in a different light, he said, I will take pleasure 
in all of these things that was getting me down. He wasn't some kind of fatalist. He wasn't (laughs) a sadomasochist. No, no. He said, when I'm going through it, knowing that it'll bring more glory to you when I trust in you out of a, a, a place of humble dependency, Amen. Keeping me out of that dangerous place of pride and self-sufficiency and self-exaltation. He said, I'm going to see trials differently. And I'm going to just receive what you promised. And that is a sufficient grace to bear up under it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus said to the church in the book of Revelation, He said, listen, Satan is going to persecute you. He's going to put some of you into prison. Some of you are going to be killed for the sake of the gospel. Isn't that an amazing thing in this day of self-serving, self-exalting, self-indulging Christian attitudes (laughs) when they laid down their very life for Jesus and we want to be just like the world around us, not willing to deny ourselves initially that we might take up our cross, which means to crucify the flesh and the lust thereof, in order to follow Jesus Christ's example. Friend of mine, this is a different day. The pressure is going to get on, and there will be those that, listen, Paul said they went out from us, but they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they would not have went out from us. He talked about those who turned back that he thought was going to be part of those who helped him preach the gospel and carry it to the nations. Amen. He said, send send me a dedicated brother. Amen. Very quickly. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Listen, if you're going to hang with the Apostle Paul, you might hang with the Apostle Paul. You, 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 you're going to have some trouble if you follow Paul around. You, you're not going to live in a penthouse. You're not going to drive a Bentley. I'm not saying those things are sin in themselves. I'm saying they're sin when that's why we commit ourselves to follow Christ because that's not his example. That's not Paul's example. And Demas obviously thought that he was going to to climb up that spiritual credibility ladder if he was an associate of the great apostle Paul. And when the persecutions come, he left Paul alone standing. Paul said, send me somebody dedicated, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Oh, friend of mine, So he tells the church in the book of Revelation, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Now here in America, we're not seeing people literally martyred and killed for the sake of the gospel. Thank God we have the freedoms we have, the protections we have to express our faith and live out our faith. The devil can't do it through that kind of direct persecution. He's just trying to get us to compromise, to make so many concessions to the world and to him and to our flesh 
that we cannot represent a kingdom that is worth this kind of devotion and a king that is worth this kind of commitment. Jesus didn't mince words. He told them, if it cost you your life, it'll be well worth it because you will receive life eternal when the trumpet sounds, dear friend. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like that song that says, when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to get up out of the ground. Praise God. Friend, today, the persecution isn't going to get better. The church is not going to impress the world with our wealth. In fact, the wealth of some representatives of Christianity uh, uh, is hurting the cause more than helping it. Oh, but the wealth of some who who close on Sunday to keep not not a Old Testament Sabbath, but but to keep a day set apart to honor God and not just keep making the money, and yet they're. They're prospering better than those that are that are almost working 24-7 to get more gold in their pocket. <laughs> Thank God for Chick-fil-A. They close on Sunday. They've endured persecution because they believe in, in traditional marriage. And yet, they are blessed. And if you ever get in line, you're going to have to be patient to get through around supper time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hobby Lobby, same thing. God has blessed them because they have identified with Him. Glory be to God. You don't have to compromise. Amen. You don't have to give place to the devil. You don't have to live a lie. You can live a life. That represents a real king that gave his life for us. That God became flesh and gave his life on the cross. That has value to the true Christian today. More valuable than anything the world can offer. That's why the devil gets defeated so many times. When persecution comes and we say, Ah, Jesus... This this is because I'm following you, isn't it? This is because the world would love its own, but I'm not of this world. Uh, that's why Peter said, I beseech you, Christians, as pilgrims and strangers, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. He said, you've got to see yourself as just passing through. Sojourners is the word he used. You're just passing through. I like the song that says, This world is not my home. <laughs> I'm only passing through. I also like the song that says, Take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Jesus on the mountain as He preached the Sermon on the Mount preparing us for the persecution he knew was occurring and would intensify and continue to our day. Oh, friend, it's time, it's time that we as Christians encourage one another, fellowship one another, find a good church with godly people. I don't mean self-righteous, judgmental people godly people where the word of God is preached without apology 
where Jesus is exalted and no ground is given to the devil. And there's no blending. It really won't blend, but no attempt to blend the values of this world with the valuable blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, friend. And if you don't know Jesus today and you say, if I come to God, I'm going to have to give up this sin and this friend. Listen, if you come to God, you won't need that sin and you won't miss that friend because you'll gain a kingdom and a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. And your soul will be ready for the coming of Christ or to go and be with Him when you draw your last breath here. And there's nothing can compare with that kind of peace, that kind of joy. So run to Jesus today. Don't run from Him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Join the company of the rejoicing persecuted and follow Jesus till He comes. In Jesus' name.